Bible in hand, the book of Daniel. We finished chapter 1, so let's move on to chapter 2, shall we? Reading the book of Daniel reveals some amazing truths to us. I can find a young man here that I think I can relate to, and I think many of you can relate to as well. You say, well, what do you mean by that? What I mean is simply this. The narrative of Daniel reveals a young man who seems as if his life was moving just from one crisis to the next. Anybody ever feel like that? I've had so many people tell me, you know, preacher, if I didn't have bad luck, y'all know where I'm going, right? I wouldn't have any luck at all. And sometimes we feel like that. I want you to understand something. If you feel like that, you're in good company. Because Daniel had to feel something like that. Every time he turned around, it was another crisis. Chapter 1, we read about Daniel and the diet and the contest. And when it came to its conclusion, Daniel received a promotion. He became an advisor to the king. Becoming an advisor of the king, as we head into chapter 2, puts his life in danger. Crisis after crisis after crisis. And yet God was watching over him, blessing him, providing for him. He gained favor with the king who gave him a promotion and then ordered his death. What a story. This morning, we're going to read a portion of that. If you've got your Bible open, I want to invite you to find with me chapter 2. Chapter 2, verse 1. We're going to read down through verse 23. It's a lengthy reading. I know you've been standing. Some of you are saying, I just don't know that I can do it. If you're not able to stand, please do not. But if you can and would, I invite you to stand with me in honor of the reading of our Lord's Word as we honor Him by reading from His holy record. Daniel chapter 2, beginning at verse 1. In the second year of his reign, Nebuchadnezzar had dreams. His mind was troubled and he could not sleep. So the king summoned the magicians, enchanters, sorcerers, and astrologers to tell him what he had dreamed. When they came in and stood before the king, he said to them, I've had a dream that troubles me, and I want to know what it means. Then the astrologers answered the king in Aramaic, O king, live forever. Tell your servants the dream, and we will interpret it. The king replied to the astrologers, This is what I have firmly decided. If you do not tell me what my dream was and interpret it, I will have you cut into pieces and your houses turned into piles of rubble. But if you tell me the dream and explain it, you will receive from me gifts and rewards and great honor. So tell me the dream and interpret it for me. Once more they replied, Let the king tell his servants the dream, and we will interpret it. Then the king answered, 
I am certain that you're trying to gain time because you realize that this is what I have firmly decided. If you do not tell me the dream, there is just one penalty for you. You have conspired to tell me misleading and wicked things, hoping the situation will change. So then, tell me the dream and I will know that you can interpret it for me. The astrologers answered the king, There's not a man on earth who can do what the king asks. No king, however great and mighty, has ever asked such a thing of any magician or enchanter or astrologer. What the king asks is too difficult. No one can reveal it to the king except the gods, and they do not live among men. This made the king so angry, so furious, that he ordered the execution of all the wise men of Babylon. So the decree was issued to put the wise men to death, and the men were sent to look for Daniel and his friends to put them to death. When Arioch, the commander of the king's guard, had gone out to put to death the wise men of Babylon, Daniel spoke to him with wisdom and tact. He asked the king's officer, why did the king issue such a harsh decree? Arioch then explained the matter to Daniel. At this, Daniel went into the king and asked for time so that he might interpret the dream for him. Then Daniel returned to his house and explained the matter to his friends, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah. He urged them to plead for mercy from the God of heaven concerning this mystery so that he and his friends might not be executed with the rest of the wise men of Babylon. During the night, the mystery was revealed to Daniel in a vision. Then Daniel praised the God of heaven and said, Praise be to the name of God forever and ever. Wisdom and power are his. He changes times and seasons. He sets up kings and he deposes them. He gives wisdom to the wise and knowledge to the discerning. He reveals deep and hidden things. He knows what lies in darkness and light dwells with him. I thank and praise you, O God of my fathers. You have given me wisdom and power. You have made known to me what we asked of you. You have made known to us the dream of the king. Would you pray with me? Father, I I just simply ask in these moments that you would give us wisdom and understanding. That you would give us insight so that we might know how to take the truth of this, your word, and apply it into our own lives. Father, I thank you for this record. It inspires, it challenges, it calls. Father, I pray that in these moments, you would just open the eyes of our heart. Teach us your truth. Call us to follow, and Father, I pray that in love you would find us obedient. This is my prayer, and I ask it in Jesus' name. And all God's people said, amen. Amen. You may be seated. I'm going to ask you fellas in the back, if you would, to help me, because what I'm seeing up here and what you're seeing up here aren't the same thing. And so if you can just kind of walk us through, we're going to be all right. I had someone ask me one time, said, well, why do you read these long passages of Scripture? Like, you know, you could just pick out three or four verses and share them with us. I know I could do that, but can I just tell you something? I think God does a much better job of explaining his word than I do. 
And I think that whenever I just try to tell the story, it comes up lacking. And I don't want it to be lacking for you. And so I want us to read what God has given to us in his word. And that's the reason we read lengthy passages like this one this morning. The important matter is this. Since we've already read the story, I don't have to tell you the story. Now I can just give you a little bit of sense to the meaning, perhaps. So let's examine these events and try to discover some keys to confidence in a crisis. While we remember that there's some simple things you got to hold on to. Nothing ever surprises God. All right? There is not anything that happens in our lives or in our world that catches him unaware. Nothing surprises our God. And there's not any problem, no matter how big or how little you might think it is, that he is unconcerned about. And there is not anything that he cannot take care of. Having said that, let's just dive into these scriptures together for a few moments, shall we? You know, when I start reading this chapter, the first thing that grabs my attention is the king's hidden dream. I mean, it's a pretty simple thing, really. I don't know what the dream was. I don't know what was going on in his head. We haven't gotten that far in the reading yet, have we? But here's the reality. Nebuchadnezzar's sleep was ruined. He was having this dream. Apparently, he was having this dream over and over again. We call it a dream. You might want to call it a nightmare. It had him shook up to the point that his mind was troubled. I don't know if he knew exactly what it was or he didn't know what it was. You ever had a dream and didn't remember it when you woke up in the morning, but you knew you had a dream? Don't you just hate that? You know, you, you want to make sense. What did, what did my dream mean? I have no idea. I can't even remember what my dream was. Nebuchadnezzar was troubled. He wasn't sleeping. If you might notice in the reading, he got a little bit cranky. We tend to do that whenever our rest gets messed up, huh? Yeah, some of you can agree. You can nod. Not me. I don't mind. I don't ever sleep. Yeah, you do. It was frightening him. He wasn't sleeping well. When he was sleeping, he wasn't sleeping well and probably trying to stay awake so he wouldn't have this dream over again. He, he was trying to avoid this. He didn't want to talk about it. He didn't want to describe it. So he calls in all of his advisors, his wise men. Now, I don't know how wise they really were. Do you notice the words that are used for them as they're described here? I think it's kind of interesting. Magicians, enchanters, sorcerers, astrologers. Not the people I would put at the top of the list as far as wise men, okay? But these were the guys who were the advisors, the counselors to the king. He calls them in and he says, here's what I want you to do. Tell me what my dream is and then explain it to me. Look, king, you know, if you'll just tell us what it is, we'll try to make sense out of it and give you an explanation. No, that's not what I'm asking. I want you to tell me what my dream is and then explain it to me. Well, we can't do that. You better do that. You don't do that. Here's what's going to happen. Each one of you is going to be cut in half. Your homes are going to be destroyed. Your families are going to be wiped out. There's not going to be any trace of you left on earth. Come here, guys. Let's huddle up on this one. You know, you might want to take this one into consideration. You might want to talk about this a little bit. And finally, they turned around. And do you know what? They hadn't changed a thing. Did you notice their answer was verse 10? I believe it is. They said to the king, there is not a man on earth who can do what you ask. None of us can do this. No man can do this. And, and then they went on and they made this statement. said, no one can reveal it to the king except the gods. Oh, and here's where they're wrong. And they do not live among men. 
problem was their gods were false gods. Their gods don't live, let alone live among men. But there's a guy in the kingdom somewhere. We'll get to him in a few minutes. His God's different. His God can do these things. His God is alive. And his God does dwell among men. Amazing. The king was asking these men, look inside my mind and see what's going on there. And then explain it to me. That's a pretty steep order, folks. And his advisors were unable to satisfy the king. And they complained, they whined, they begged, they pleaded. The bottom line was it came down to this. They were going to be executed because they could not fulfill the demand of the king. Here's the problem and the twist in this storyline. Because of what had happened in chapter 1, which we looked at over the last several weeks, Daniel and his three friends, now we read their names here uh, and they're different than what we know them because most of us remember them as Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. That's not how they're called in Babylon, but that's okay. As long as you know who we're talking about. It's Daniel, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. They had been promoted because of the events in chapter 1. And guess what? This promotion now numbered them among the wise men of Babylon. And so now their lives are on the line. It seems kind of odd because, you know, as you read this, you get the impression, or at least I did, they weren't there. When all the wise men were called into the king, they weren't there. But they found out something was going on. And here's where the rubber meets the road. And this is the crux of the message. Not the end of it, mind you, but the crux of it. So if you're a note taker, this is where you really want to get tuned in. Because in the middle of this passage, we see Daniel's response to the crisis. And can I just tell you something? He gives us a great model about how to respond to a crisis. Let me explain. First off, he clarified the situation. He clarifies the situation. If you've got your Bible open, look back at verses 14 and 15. When Arioch, the commander of the king's guard, had gone out to put to death the wise men of Babylon, Daniel spoke to him with wisdom and tact. He asked the king's officer, why did the king issue such a harsh decree? And Arioch then explained the matter to Daniel. Daniel approached the king's commander to learn what happened. What brought about this, this high-pressure situation? What created this crisis in the kingdom and in the heart of the king himself? But did you notice something? I want you to see this. Folks, attitude matters. Did you see what it said at the end of verse 14? Daniel spoke to him with wisdom and tact. He didn't come running at him, screaming, waving his arm. What in the world are you doing? Are you a madman? Have you gone crazy? What's wrong with this king? What kind of an idiot is he? No, it wasn't anything like that. That's how we might approach it. But it says Daniel came to him and spoke to him with wisdom and tact. What led the king to make such a harsh decree? And because he was respectful, because he was tactful, because his attitude was right and his approach was right, Daniel received a clear answer and explanation. Clarify the situation. Gain understanding. That's step one. 
Step two is trust God. It's exercising your faith. You see, verse 16 tells us what Daniel did next. At this, Daniel went into the king and asked for time so that he might interpret the dream for the king. He didn't go in and say, nobody can do this. You're asking the impossible. No man living on the face of the earth can read your mind, see your dreams, explain your dreams. Only God can do that. No, he just went in and asked for time and said, I'll interpret your dream. Do you know why he could say that? Because he trusted God. He was exercising his faith. He trusted God to do what God had told him he could do. You say, well, what do you mean God had told him he could do? Do you remember back in chapter 1, verse 17? The end of verse 17 in chapter 1, we read this. And Daniel could understand visions and dreams of all kinds. You see, God had already given him the tool he needed to unlock the door and deal with the coming crisis of chapter 2. And so Daniel goes into the king. Again, I think his attitude, his approach was right. And he just asked for some time. You give me a little bit of time and I'll do what you ask, king. I'll interpret. I'll tell you what your dream is. I'll interpret your dream. Because he knew that God would come through. He had faith. He trusted God. He was confident that if he gave God the honor and the glory, if he came and before God and he asked, that God would reveal to him the answers he needed in order to answer the king, appease the king, and satisfy the king. I, I read these verses, I find myself thinking, man, what would we do? How would we react? If we were caught in this type of a life or death situation, what would we, do we panic or do we trust? Do we stay calm? Trust God? Or do we try to figure it out ourselves, which, by the way, leads to panic? Because if we do it that way, we soon figure out, just like the other wise men did, they couldn't do it. But when you have faith, when you trust God, and you exercise that faith, it just kind of changes everything. There's a peace that comes there. Daniel had that peace. But he also knew that even with peace and even with faith, he had to act. And so he cried out to God. You see, there's always a time for prayer, folks. And it shouldn't be the last thing. It ought to be the thing. Verses 17 and 18 tell us that after the king agreed to give him some time, Daniel returned to his house and explained the matter to his friends, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah, that Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. He urged them to plead for mercy from the God of heaven concerning this mystery so that he and his friends might not be executed with the rest of the wise men in Babylon. What do you do when a crisis comes? What do you do when the world is in panic? What do you do when it looks like everything is going to come crashing down into a horrific ending? I don't know what your answer is. Daniel's answer is, let's have a prayer meeting. Yeah, we all nod our heads. But I'm going to tell you the old preacher's adage. Are you ready? 
Here's the old adage. On Sunday morning, you see how popular the church is. Look around you. On Sunday evening, if you come back and look around, you find out how popular the preacher is. But if you come in on Wednesday night, that's when you find out how popular God is. Because the reality is most folks don't have time for prayer meeting. Daniel called for prayer meeting. He didn't just ask his friends to pray. Did you see what he did? He told them how to pray. He told them what to pray for. I love this. He explained the matter to them. He urged them to plead for mercy from the God of heaven concerning this mystery. They prayed. Surprise, surprise. God heard and answered. You know, if you just read the word of God, what do you find out? God hears his children when they cry out to him. God hears the prayers of his people. God answers the prayers of his people. It's not always the way we want it to be. It's not always done the way we think it ought to be. But God always does what is right at the right time, in the right way, in order to bring glory and honor to himself. That very night, did you see what it said? That night, during the night, the mystery was revealed. God gave him a vision. He let him see the king's dream and he gave him understanding of what it was all about. I just want you to understand with me, my brothers and sisters in Christ, this very important lesson this morning that we must learn. We too can cry out to God for wisdom and power and direction in our times of need. And he will hear our cry and he will answer personal problems cry out to God health issues cry out to God family conflict cry out to God business problems cry out to God school problems cry out to God you still have to study but it doesn't hurt to pray either relational problems cry out to God Church problems, cry out to God. He hears his children when they call on his name. And he answers their cries. Listen, there are not any problems that cannot be solved by the wisdom and direction that is given by God when his people fall before him in prayer. I have people tell me all the time, well, you know, I prayed and God didn't answer, so I'm through with that. Okay, note takers, here you go. John 16, 24. Jesus said, until now you've not asked for anything in my name. Ask and you will receive. And your joy will be complete. Do we pray? Do we pray in his will? Do we pray for his will to be done in our lives, in our situations? Now, one more thing i got to toss at you. And I want you to grab a hold of this. No matter what you're facing. No matter what you're going through. No matter what your challenge is. No matter what your crisis is. Always remember that in the darkness, God can shine His light. God can be trusted. 
God should be trusted. He proved it in the life of Daniel and his friends right here. They prayed and he answered. Now, the answer came during the night while he was in bed, while he was sleeping. In the darkness, God shined the light, gave him a vision. I love this because God didn't just give him a few hints. He said, okay, I'm going to let you figure this one out, but here's some clues for you. No, I am so thankful God doesn't work like that. He gave him a vision. He explained it to him. God revealed the content of the king's dream, and he showed Daniel not only is this what he's dreaming, but here's what it means. God's response spared lives. Don't lose sight of this. This is not just some little cutesy kid story. All right? I think sometimes we look at these Old Testament accounts and we think of them as as these are children's stories. No. These are grown-up stories. These men were about to be cut in half. Their families were going to be put to death. Their homes were going to be destroyed. They were going to be wiped completely out of the line of history. This is not a kid's story. This is a grown-up story. And what God did in the life of Daniel spared lives. Daniel was spared so that he could continue to serve God and bring God glory and honor through the remainder of his life. His friends, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, their lives were spared so they could bring glory to God and honor him in what was going to happen in their lives. And we'll get there in a few weeks. But God, I want to tell you something else. Because the king's request was fulfilled, even the pagan advisors... Some of them may have already been put to death by the time they got to Daniel. We don't know that. It's kind of indicated that that might have happened already. But but probably many of their lives were also spared. So what's the big deal about that? They were pagans. They were following and serving false gods. They had the opportunity to see that the God... The God of Daniel, the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, the God of Israel, the one true living God, the creator God, Jehovah, was the real God. God gave them an opportunity to hear, to see, and to turn. Whether any of them ever did or not, we have no idea. But I know this, they had the opportunity because their lives were spared. Now, it got real quiet a while ago. When I talked about our love for prayer meetings. I want to ask you. Do you have your Bible open? To Daniel chapter 2. If you don't, open it. If you don't have one, I want you to listen. We already read these words, but I want you to listen. Because I want you to see what happens. When we have prayer meetings. I'm not talking about organ recitals all right now please forgive me my crassness but so often our prayer meetings are just a matter of who's sick and who's ailing and what's hurting and and we recite everyone's ailing organs I'm talking about prayer meetings I'm talking about those times when God's people join their hearts and their minds and their spirits together and they bow before almighty God because there is a brokenness that is needed and there is a mission to be carried out and there is a goal to be accomplished and only God can make it happen when God's people fall on their faces before him and begin to weep over the very things that break the heart of God 
And they begin to cry out to him in their brokenness over those things. God hears. God answers. Things change. And do you know what happens? Prayer meetings turn into praise meetings. If you've got your Bible open, you can read it for yourself. During the night, the mystery was revealed to Daniel in a vision. Then Daniel praised the God of heaven and said, Praise be to the name of God forever and ever. Wisdom and power are his. He changes times and seasons. He sets up kings and he deposes them. He gives wisdom to the wise and knowledge to the discerning. He reveals deep and hidden things. He knows what lies in the darkness and light dwells with him. I love that. Have you paid attention to that before? If you haven't, you ought to. Did you see that line there? And light dwells with him. Remember what John said in John chapter 1. In the beginning was the Word and the Word was with God and the Word was God. He goes on to describe that word and says, in him was light. And that light is the life of men. The light dwells with him. That's right. The son is with the father. I thank and praise you, O God of my fathers. You've given me wisdom and power. You have made known to me what we asked of you. You answered our prayer. You have made known to us the dream of the king. Friends, listen to me. To steal a line from King David... I was young and I'm older now. But I've never seen the righteous forsaken or his seed begging for bread. When God's people call out to him, when they trust him, when they exercise their faith in him, let me tell you what we find. God is always enough. Do you trust him? I do. Do you trust him? We've got to learn to pray in faith and expect God's answers. We've got to learn to hear his voice and follow him with all of our hearts. We have got to learn and understand that no matter what our crisis might be, God is enough. What would you bring in the room this morning? It's always amazing to me because people put on their Sunday best and their Sunday smile and they come and they hide their brokenness from one another. The church is not to be a museum for the saints. It's supposed to be a hospital for sinners. If we can't come here and acknowledge our brokenness in front of one another, what are we doing? If we can't acknowledge our brokenness, we can't pray for one another. We can't love one another. We can't minister to one another the way that we're supposed to. 
We keep God from doing in our lives what he wants to do and what he brings us here to do. What did you bring in this morning? What are you struggling with? You know what your issues are. I want you to hear what I'm about to tell you, okay? Because I promise I'm stopping right here. Whatever it is, God is enough. Will you give it to him? Will you trust him with it? He is enough. Let's bow our heads together. In just a moment, we're going to stand together and sing a song of invitation, of commitment, of surrender. I, I want to give everyone an opportunity to respond to what the Word of God may have said to you or the Spirit of God may have spoken to you. Perhaps God is calling you to a special task today. Maybe He's leading you to make some decisions in regard to your family, in regard to your service in the church, in regard to your vocation. I don't know what it is you're dealing with, but I do know this. He is faithful and He's enough. Will you cry out to Him? Would you let Him hear your voice? Would you call on Him and wait expectantly for Him to answer? Would you let Him have His way in your life? What's he saying to you? You say, I want to trust him, but I never have. I never have. Can, listen, it's never too late to trust him. And it may be that the Spirit of God is calling you today, and, and you're saying, you know, I want to trust him, but I'm not sure how. Today, I want to encourage you. I want to challenge you. I want to invite you. Trust him with your heart. Trust him with your very life. If you've never told him before, just tell him, Jesus, I'm a sinner. I can't fix my sin problem. I need a Savior to do it. And they tell me you're that Savior. I believe it. And I want you to take my sin, wash it away. I want you to make me a new creation today. He'll do that for you. But preacher, you, you don't know what I've done. You don't know the kind of person I've been. It doesn't matter. God tells us this. That if we confess our sins to him, he is faithful and just to forgive us and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. People may separate sins from greatest to least. God doesn't. Sin is sin to him. Will you confess it and turn from it? Would you let him do something special in your life this morning? You want help with that? Come. Take me by the hand. I won't embarrass you or put you on the spot, but I'd love to visit with you and pray with you. Brother and sister in Christ, let me just ask you, do you trust him? Do you understand that God is enough? What are you facing? Cry out to him and let him show you the way. Father, I thank you this morning. For the record you give us in your word of a man whose faith shows us how to follow you, to trust you. Lord, I just pray this morning for us in this room. There are some I know that came in here today hurting, struggling, bearing burdens that they've not shared with anyone. They're not going to share with anyone. But Father, I pray right now that you would ease their burdens. I pray that your spirit would lead them to cry out to you to wait for your answer and to see you work 
and to understand from this day forward that you are enough. Father, if there are those in this room who do not know you, I pray draw them to yourself this morning. Help us to understand we need you. Just like those wise men of Babylon, all the world's wisdom and all the position and all the fame and all the power, it means nothing without you. We need you. You're enough. Father, grow our faith this morning. We pray this in the name of Jesus. Amen.